Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Sugar, Silk and Stretch, although he's not here on this particular occasion right now, but my name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And so there were two, Silk. This is how we started, so it doesn't phase us. Um, It's all good. Maybe Gary will join us and that's the kind of crazy show we have here. Um. Uh, okay. So, well, Gary's. I think he's in LA. He's getting ready for the Super Bowl, right? Is that what? What's that about? Is that is the Super Bowl happening today? Yeah, Super Bowl, today's Super Sunday, so um, that's Kansas why you need City, to be early. Yeah, that's why we need to be. Well, I don't like either team really, so it's really a difficult Super Bowl to watch for me. But I'm a Raider dude, you know. Obviously, I know you're, you're, you're silver. Before silver yeah, before and black. It is, it is amazing, those creations that you do. I don't know of anybody else in the world. I mean, you perhaps you could tell me I'm wrong, but I don't know if anybody else in the world creates these stylish out there <laughs> eye patches for people who are ocularly challenged. Are you the only one? <laughs> I am the only one at this point. I mean, I think some people make things by hand and stuff like that, maybe, possibly. I yeah. don't know, but yeah, I'm the, I'm the only one doing it right now. But you know, it's not going to stay the same for long. I've got a friend who's like a kind of punk rock legend of sorts, and I sent him a picture of your and your description of the Bowie one that you made. Oh, yeah. I was just showing off, really, because he he comes from a more kind of bohemian set where he probably thinks – he thinks boxing's cool, but he probably thinks it's not overly cerebral. He's just one of them you know, artistic types who can't quite relate to this <laughs> side of life. And I sent him that just to kind of say – and I said, my, my, my co-presenter, Michael Elagide, is no, is no ordinary boxer or, or no ordinary anything else, so – I was kind of using you for a bit of kudos with the artistic. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh-huh. that. But in any case, what we are ultimately valued for is to talk about the sweet science. So <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about the big fight um, a Thursday night in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay that saw Tiafimo Lopez squeak home with a controversial decision over Jermaine Ortiz. Um, some people said Ortiz won the fight, and other people said no. Did did he did he did he help? That that it's not a track meet; it's a fight. You know, 
and they yeah. said that there is a line somewhere between boxing and just running and being so negative that you're hell bent on not engaging. Um, what was your take? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wow, wow. From what I've seen, and I didn't join the fight early. I, I got uh, maybe like the fifth round on, I saw. And uh, Tiafimo, I'd heard what the commentators were saying, and Tiafimo was taking the fight to the kid. Um, the kid didn't look like to be engaging much. Um, and that kind of, I, I understand, having been in fights like that myself, I kind of understand what he thought may have been happening, but it wasn't, I, I don't think it was the reality. I don't think the corner was telling him the reality of perceptions. And, and so judges sit down and they look at a fight and have a particular, everyone has a different way of looking at a fight. They'll look at a guy moving, you know, moving, but, but if he's still letting his hands go, that's when, you know, you can move backwards and let your hands go still and be yeah. very confident and be and, and win a fight. Um, I just think he was being, from what I saw from the rounds that I saw onward, he was being very selective, very hesitant not confident, and I think that's not what they want to see in the guy that they call champion. Basically, they want to see yeah. somebody. You know what I mean? So, Go ahead. What you appear to be saying, uh, with with the admission of that you didn't see the first four rounds, you appear to be saying Ortiz probably did win in terms of that basic value base of putting your hands on him on the target area more than he does on you. But he didn't uh, present the kind of narrative that the judges are going to depose a champion on. Um, you know, because yeah. Yeah, so technically he could have won it. Like his, the leather on his glove hit Tiafimo more than Tiafimo's leather hit him. Basically, really, that's. I've got to tell you, I scored it today. I watched it. I watched some of it the morning, the Friday morning, because it was on a Thursday night. And then I scored it today, um, this afternoon. It, it was it was was not a riveting fight. Um, by the way, Chrissy Morton, you see there, Chrissy Morton's just WhatsApp me saying, are you on YouTube tonight? It's like, hey, you know what? Hell, why don't you go on YouTube and see if I'm on, you if I'm on YouTube with the silk tonight? And then there wouldn't be any need to WhatsApp me. Um, I, I scored it right this afternoon, and I, tried, I didn't have a preconception, and I wasn't adding up my scores as I went along, and I did give two rounds even, including the second round and one of the other rounds. When I scored it even, I felt as if I was being as generous to Lopez as I could be. And I came up with 117, 113 for Ortiz, the challenger. Yes. Um, John Scully said, because let's say, I remember Frank Lotierzo, who's a pretty good pundit and a, a pretty credible guy, talks about boxing a lot on Facebook, like myself. He said, I think Ortiz edged it out and T.O. really is an on and off kind of hot and cold fighter. And Dennis Rappaport, another legend of you know in his own context of boxing, he said, no, he said, I definitely had um, Lopez winning, he said, but it was a stinker of a fight, he said, but that was a track meet. Randy Gordon used the same track meet, you know, disparaging um, analogy. But John Scully, the patron saint of boxing, said, you say that Ortiz didn't throw enough punches, huh? He said, but you do know he threw 50 punches more than Lopez did. Now, he's yeah. going by punch stats, by the way, CompuBox. He said, and he landed more too. He said, fighters who can't find a guy, can't hit a guy, they always say he ran. 
So yeah. was but, 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 okay, but at that point, that's when I said, well, it was kind of like negligible because the fact that you're fighting in retreat and, and it gives off the impression that, like, if you if a guy punches at you and you move quickly out of the way, just visually it gives off the optics that you're scared. And most people who don't know boxing that's or who haven't boxed before will say exactly that. He's scared. He's reacting. He's overreacting. He's... Uh, his uh, tension is too high for you know he's overdoing it he's he's struggling to get out the way and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to engage with them they don't understand that that could be the strategy of the fighter and they think they it registers in their brain as fear and so if you're afraid of somebody and you're trying not to engage with them because you're afraid of them then that means the other guy who's trying to engage is the aggressor and he should be getting points for being aggressive that's how I see that that relation right there. But do you see that? Is that your value base, or are you just are you just being realistic about what people had the way to fight? No, I think like I'm being a little bit realistic about what people expect and when they see. But I mean, I had a fight somewhat similar to that myself. Like I, when I fought Tommy Hearns in 1990. Yeah. And um, and it was a 12 round fight, and the strategy going into the fight was don't engage. For the first five rounds or so that was angelo's strategy angelo was like i want you to move around gauge you know and the thing is it was important because one i was never fighting anybody nearly like i'd fought tommy hearns before no one with that kind of ability his kind of reflex his kind of power he's a bigger dude all the rest of that so um so i i needed to get a sense of like you can't it's hard to prepare for that man right so in sparring you get guys that are quick but they may be you know, shorter or not as powerful and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Not, you're not going to get the exact uh, that you need working with Tommy Hearn. So I have to kind of like adapt in the moment as we're going along. And so so the bell rings, bing, I'm coming out and I'm moving around. And the first round ends and I don't know, we didn't throw very many punches and, and I'm moving. I'm up on my toes, but I'm not really running. You know what I mean? But I'm moving. Yeah. And, you know, boo, second round, Angelo, stay on your toes, move up, boo, third, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And in the sixth round, um, my trainer, uh, my everyday trainer, uh, Hector Roca said, you know, we're not going to be able to come back and, and on this. This is only 12 rounds. He's got to start, you know, planting his feet and punching. At that time, I stopped and we started going more toe-to-toe, right? Yeah. That's when it turned into a fight people were entertained by. Seventh round, all the rest of that kind of stuff. But I, I thought when I was when I was boxing and I was boxing him in those early rounds, I thought the fight personally, I thought the fight was very close. I, yeah. I don't remember I wasn't getting tagged up by him. I wasn't, you know, he wasn't dominating, he wasn't wobbling me, but I was moving and then I was countering him at times. And so I didn't think it would be like I didn't think I was down six rounds to nothing, <laughs> but but I, no. I did think you know, he was taking the fight to me. And so yeah. I understand where people are coming from when they sit from both ways. You know what I mean? From the fighter's perspective, yeah. from, from the voyeur's uh, perspective as well. Yeah. So th- this guy here has just commented saying, Michael, I used to work as doorman at Chicago's Tonight. I think you used to go there. Tony Pep and Dale Walters used to come by the club. Oh, that's in Vancouver, I believe. Yeah. Is yeah. that a club? Hey, what's you- up? Glad yeah. you can catch us. Yeah. So yeah we, Tony, you know Tony Pep, right? Dale Walters was an Olympian. Tony and, Pep, um, yeah. Tony Pep for um, Ricky Hatton, right? 
Yeah, I fought Ricky Atten over in England, and he had some good yeah. fights. My father had trained him as an amateur and partway through his pro career, and he defected to some guy and he started yeah. his career with someone else. He fought um, he fought uh, Mayweather as well. That's right, yeah. So he, he has quite a CV um, and a famous surname, obviously. Um, he, the, the gentleman also said Angelo, Angelo Dundee caught Hearns when he was young. He told Leonard, if we don't get him now, we'll never get him. I thought Hearns needed more years. I mean, you know, you probably know the story as well that they were going to meet at one point. It looked like in 1979, Leonard and Hearns, and supposedly Angie was on vacation when mm -hmm. these talks were entered into and kind of looking sort of semi nailed on. And he came back and, and said, are you, "Are you crazy? No way on earth is these two going to fight that right now." Yeah. He says they can fight down the line, like a year, you know, a couple of years down the line, they can fight. Yeah. But for ten million dollars or thereabouts, and he said, and yeah. plus the fact Ray is not ready for Tommy yet. Um, wow! So I don't know whether he. I mean, the thing is, I. They well, must have mixed it up as amateurs at some point. I mean, they were amateurs at the same time, uh, and not but, in terms of a fight, but like at uh, one of the uh, camps or. They had sparred. Leonard and Hearns had sparred at the Cronk because Ray went to when he was getting ready for the Olympics. He trained at the Cronk and he sparred at the Cronk. Sugar Ray. Yeah, and they called him super bad at the Cronk, and he went, and they were obviously they really liked him. They said he was, they thought he was special because he obviously was. Yeah, and they, they, the Cronk fighters called right the young right, amateur Ray Leonard super bad at the time, you know. So they they did do a, a few rounds. <laughs> they called him super bad, like more than Bernard Mays, super bad Mays. Yeah, it's funny. I know, that, that's a good point that you said that because obviously the the home fighter there who was called super bad was Bernard Mays and. Uh, it was there was a lot of mystique around him, right, Silk, because nobody had yeah. seen a video of him for, for uh, you know, uh, in this era. And then a bit of footage turned up on YouTube. And I must admit, he did look pretty special. You know, I mean, he, he drank yeah. himself to death, didn't he, at the age of 34? Yeah. With, yeah. Um, really unfortunate. He's really but, unfortunate. But sticking with the uh, what you were saying about... about um... Look, Scully yeah. said, you know, they always they always blame the guy that they can't hit for running at that, that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's part of it. So when you look at fights in the past that have been kind of like that, people say Leonard Duran too. They say Leonard ran, and that's why, you know, uh, Duran quit. Well, to be honest, I don't think they really say. I, I don't. I, I know what you're saying. They, Leonard came with a different, a different approach for sure. Yes. But I don't think they accuse him of running so much. Is that the usual accusation against Ray there that I'm aware of? Is that they say he deliberately uh, kind of almost tricked and cajoled and hooked went Duran into a quick rematch when he wasn't in shape because he'd been oh, yeah, part of the fight. Yeah, yeah, no, they, no, he went out of training after his fight. Then they reignited the claws. They ignited the claws, and yeah. and you know what? That's the responsibility. That's all part of the fight of the fight game. So, it is. I mean, I don't like the way they try to take that away from Ray because the thing with Duran, yeah. Duran in, in the in crowd, Duran is rated as a greater fighter than Ray just about with most people. The people who rate Leonard as a greater fighter or, or uh, tend to be people who are more visionary and, and less influenced by the academic hymn sheet, right? Because yeah. the historian's hymn sheet says yeah. Duran is a greater fighter because X, Y, and Z or Z yeah. for you Americanized yeah. people. Well, but, mm -hmm. but, the, but the point being that... Um, what I notice, I understand the argument that Duran is a greater fighter, and I don't decry it. But what I do think is, uh, Duran gets forgiven as many weaker moments as they like. You know, he's forgiven some support performances where he kind of sucked when he wasn't shot or anywhere near shot, and then they just waited for the for the return to form, and then it's the hail, the hail, you know, Roberto again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ray would never get away with getting starched by Tommy Hearns like that and beaten by Kurt Lang. 
at that age. Yeah. No way. Yeah. It'd be savagely not forgiven for that. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And the um, Ray's fight with Duran, like the, uh, I mean, the, the point was if if Ray fought the first fight, fight with Duran, like he fought the second fight, many people think it would have been a different fight. He decided to go toe to toe with a man who knows everything about going toe to toe uh, with Durant, and that and that kind of he let the emotional side of things get the better of him. Talking about Ray, and yeah. he planted his feet and just and just decided I'm the bigger guy, I'm faster, I hit harder, all the rest of these things. And what he yeah. neglected to realize is it is about skills. Styles don't make fights; skills make fight. And and Durant, uh, you can't throw overhand rights against Durant. I've never seen anybody come in with wide shots, overhand shots, and beat Roberto Durant. They, they have to be... What about Tommy? I mean, Tommy, was, was that... It was. I mean, you said it was a straight right hand. It wasn't an overhand right when he took him out. Um, no, it was a straight right hand. It had an element of overhand, overhand right? I mean, he, no, threw, no he, threw, he threw a jab, no to, a double jab to the chest, and then he lowered the boom. Yeah, yeah. so he distracted him. He put the double jab to the body. And then he came with the street right hand, but that was definitely a street. An overhand right is one that travels kind of like you know Luke. over the head. You know, think of uh, Ernie Shavers when he dropped uh, Larry Holmes or or Tim Witherspoon. Yeah. That, Tim Witherspoon and Anders Eklund. I, think, I always think of that KO. Yeah, yeah. okay. It, it wasn't it wasn't blatantly looping shot. No. Yeah, yeah, it was direct, very direct and to the point. And that's how you kind of have to work with with Duran. You have to be very straight, direct to the point. He picks up all those looping shots, just very much like James Tony. They have that same style in that way. James Tony, if you're throwing looping shots against him, hooks and uppercuts and, and overhand rights, they tend not to work. But if you're like a sharp shooter from a distance and you're coming right down the pike, you might do a little bit better, maybe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, but e either way, I mean, I think I have a predisposition towards supporting a guy who can move. I mean, I quite like this. So I like the look of Ortiz as a boxer. He does have great movement, but but I have to say that I do think it was a little bit negative. And, and as you yeah. you imply, you have to know that you may come a cropper with that kind of approach, yeah. and you have to maybe maybe sit down just for for spells of a round where you assert yourself and take mm -hmm. it to him. Yeah, if you're maintaining that game plan of hit and don't be here, he was definitely pot shot in. But I think it was probably. Um, Considering he, he looks a strong enough guy in any case, you know, he looks a durable enough guy. It, was, it, it probably was. I say I think he I think he won it on points. I scored it. I scored it for him. Um, and I would definitely don't buy into this notion. You, and you didn't really it. have a problem with it going the other way. I can't say it. I worked myself into a lather over at Silk, and you know I'm capable of doing that over various matters boxing. So we're, we're, I suppose I'm in danger of reaching the conclusion that I don't really care on this occasion. But I think I think Lopez lost, you know, and I, and I definitely I am violently opposed to this hoary old notion that you've got to take the title from the champion. Don't get me wrong; I know that it exists politically. I know that it is a fact that you've got to deal with. But I just think it's such a lot of nonsense, you know. And I and I hate hearing amateur, you know, armchair fans saying, "Oh, he didn't take the title. That's not enough to rip the belts away." And it's like, you know, seriously, come on. My, you dodge my, a fight when you dodge a fight. Well, my my thing is the opponent has. A responsibility to stop, like Lopez is the champ. He has the responsibility to stop that kid from moving around the ring. He's got to dismantle him. As much as his, as much as the contender's uh, responsibility is to win and take the fight, 
win the fight against or take the play away from the champ. The champ also has to stop this man. It's about mastery of ability. Yeah, and, and, and that's that, it, Silk. Lopez that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, about, it's, about, it's about mastery of abilities. And so this guy's moving around the ring. Cut the ring off. Yeah, cut the ring off. Thank you. That was Silk. You just you hit the nail on the head there. Lopez couldn't do anything about it. And for me, that's a big minus when yes. you're supposed to be the champion. He Because yes. Lopez can be a, some guys they can be slick and they can have good defense and they can they can do a lot of things in a ring but one thing they can't do is chase a guy they get, they get, yeah. they get some guys with fast hands and slow yeah. feet canelo mm -hmm. can't chase a guy he just you know for the most part yeah. he's good at it um, well the thing is what happens when you chase guys is you leave yourself open like you you're committing and and yeah. when, if you're rushing forward you're overly committing and you can't stop your own momentum and and if a guy's a good counter puncher, that's going to be a problem. So you, you so fighters are trained not to go in haphazardly. You know what I mean? You don't just like throw you know all things to the air and come in and just. But but there's a way of systematically breaking a man down and cutting his movement off. You know what I mean? That's what you have to do. But no fighters, even like Alexis Arguello, Roberto Duran was notoriously bad at letting some fighters. I was a Wellington Wheatley or Joseph and Sabuga, like you know, um, um, the Villamar Fernandez, you know, all those guys. Well, Villamar Fernandez definitely mugged Aguayo off the, the first time. Villamar Fernandez definitely mugged Aguayo off, um, the yeah. first time with his movement. But, yeah. but, but Duran, Duran chased a lot of guys down, like um, De Jesus and um, Ray Lemkin was a slick guy. So, yeah. when you look at movers who gave Duran trouble, you've got Curtin, obviously Ray the second time. Kurt and Lang. When see the thing is, I don't, I don't have a problem accepting that Duran was not on song then. He was definitely going through a phase yeah. and a dip in his form. Sure. That happens, right? But, yes. um, but, but he did have a problem with QTs, Duran. You know, um, yeah. And that's why I would give Floyd Mayweather some kind of um, contend, contending chance against Duran. Not, I don't necessarily say beat Duran, but I wouldn't write Mayweather off against well, Duran. I, I wouldn't. I, I really wouldn't give Mayweather the runner status. I don't think he runs. I, I, I think know. He, I know that. I know that. But he could if he wanted to. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand. I'm sure, he Mayweather, could if he wanted Mayweather to. was not a runner. He would stand in front of you, and he his defense was exactly. based on. You know, I know that. But you also know if he needed his legs, then he then he would get on them, and yeah. he could do that against a Duran. Yeah, yeah, he could if he wanted to. And, um, you know, it, that's the ability to, like, choose when you want to engage. You know, choose, uh, that's uh, it's almost like ring generalship movement. And and the fact that you stop, you engage when you want, you get back up on your bike again and move around. Yeah. You know, when, when there's a boxing match and then there's a fight, and I think a lot of times people come to the boxing match to see a fight and they don't understand what movement is all about. What's the purpose of movement? You know what I mean? And and, um, and the purpose of movement is you don't want a puncher to get foundation. Once yeah. a puncher can grip the ground, like look at George Foreman, for instance, right? Once he can grip the ground and let punches go, forget it, it's over. Like all hell's going to break loose. John Mugabe, yeah. all those guys. Once you, once you, once you, once you settle in front of a puncher, it's over. Harold Green did that against uh, Joe, Julian, yeah, Jackson. Julian Jackson. Yeah, and the thing is with Harold, Harold decided to stick it on Julian Jackson. Where, as you know, Julian Jackson was fighting one-eyed. Excuse me, I, I realized the faux pas I made last week, but you, he was fighting one-eyed. He, 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 uh, he he'd been given one more round, literally, to make something happen. And Harold didn't have to be cavalier and go and take it to him like that at all. You know, that is, I, I honestly believe... <laughs> 
I honestly believe that it's in the stars for a man like Errol Graham not to become a world champion, and that that is what some higher power wanted for his fate. Because why else would it would it wind up that way? You know what I mean? When yeah. he was so close. To uh, you know, I, I don't know if I believe in so much the higher powers, but self sabotage is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-sabotage is a real thing. It's you know what I mean. It's not like he said, um, "I'm going to win this fight. Let me just throw it away." But it's just a, the fact that you can't judge the moment. You can't. <clears throat> you don't. You're not feeling the fight, which is what yeah. great fighters like Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali, you know, jo- uh, James Tony, all those guys. They they know. They feel the fight. They know what's happening, and they're very aware in, in their presence. And Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That is that don't, you know, you make ill-informed decisions from your corner or the ones in your own head. And, you know, you're just not, it doesn't work out too well for you, obviously. Yeah. Justini here is saying, I think based on his lightweight years, Duran is the, I hate goats. I hate that term. So I'm going to say greatest of all time. <laughs> Can't fucking stand it, man. Um, what he did Why? against Barkley Moore is crazy. They're big yeah. guys and all-time great. So he appears to be implying that Duran is the greatest fighter of all time, which I don't quite subscribe to. But I think, you know what? Duran's obviously, he's in that in crowd. He's right up there. If you've got him in the top 10 of greatest fighters who ever lived, I think that makes a lot of sense logically, and that's fine. But I don't, I wouldn't put him numero uno, but I don't want to get into that again. We go back and forth about Robinson, Ali, et cetera, et cetera. But I just thought I would address that comment from the floor. Um, uh, why, uh, why do you hate the GOAT? Same. I just I hate any trendy uh, casual terms. That That's been around for a long time now. Huh? <laughs> That's been around for a long time, GOAT. That was it's only 80s? the internet era. It's only the internet era. You're going to tell me now it's not, and I can't prove it because you're old, older than me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I only although, know although you wouldn't know looking at us. I hate I hate the sure. I hate all that kind of language. I hate any kind of common argo language. I hate it. I'm, I'm different, like you. Um, sort of the same in that yeah. sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just I just can't. I just don't like goats. I got so, so sick of it. It's a, I don't like them saying, "Oh, he don't want the smoke." We want undisputed and all that nonsense. Internet yeah, yeah, fans, yeah. you know. But we're we're glad of internet fans, by the way, because we're on the internet. And if it wasn't for the internet, you and I wouldn't be connected. And also, yeah. don't you think? I mean, we, we need Gary. We want Gary. We absolutely need Gary. Different energy since Gary came along. But we are a lot more kind of chilled and civilized when there's not three of us on the screen. When it's just you and me, there's no, not really any interrupting. Well, I, I think that happens because all of us want a chance to speak and the three of us are vying for time. There's and something about three of us that makes everything... Make yeah, me and you I mean, more you get less to say. There's, there's less to say, you know what I mean? And, and I think you're less... Um, belligerent let's just say when gary's not there uh, yeah exactly that I, I think i don't know what it is i can't explain it but that's not to say, <laughs> I, say I think we have a much better product with gary but 
it's interesting the different dynamic when when there's just two of us. What we'll have to do is just just a silk and stretch show one time where I I take a rain check and, and see how you two do it. That'd be kind of interesting. Oh, man, that would be that. I'm uh, sure we're going to take each other to task on that one. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, the, the thing I would fear for is one of you knowing when to end it. I, I can imagine it going back and forth very well, but yeah, I'd be yeah. like, okay, guys, it's been three hours now. You need to cut the show and get out of it somehow. Yeah, yeah. landing the plane is much different than taking over when it's already up in the air. Sure. <laughs> but, um, okay, so we seem to have a similar value base on we understand it, but it's not it's not running, it's boxing. and But at the same time, you have to... Uh, take it on the chin if you don't get a decision when you're very negative. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, you're... at this point, Ben, I have to take to task um, Ortiz cornerman. Like, what are they thinking? Like, we've seen it a billion times already. We saw it with Oscar De La Hoya in Trinidad. You, know, you never know what anyone's thinking. You need to... One of the most important things in boxing is you need to be able to close the show, seal the deal. Uh, it, closing is one of the most important things. I mean, literally, Sugar Ray closed against Hagler, and his thing was all about movement the first time, right? He didn't want to engage, but he boxed. The first time, they only fought once, yeah. They only fought once, but yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, he, he didn't want to engage. He get his combinations off and moved out. Hagler has to work for his shot. But, but it was even, much more even, positive. Yeah. Even in, in the late, in the late, what, in the last, in the 11th or 12th round, you could have made a point and say, hey, Sugar, just don't even engage. Just move around and don't, you know what I mean? Don't let him knock you out. And you won this. No, he still went out there. He closed the show. Stood there, throw furious combinations, turned out, back to the center of the ring. Let Hagler work for his shot. See, that's yeah. the thing that a lot of people don't realize. Like, when, when, people, when two guys are exchanging punches, you don't have to work for a shot. It's going to be there. But when, when you have guys moving, you have to work. You have to work your man's position. He has to stop punching so you can then throw. Or you have a, a split uh, amount, a, a very small period of time in between punches to make your punch count or to score with your punch. And that's what these guys just don't understand. Like, I don't know why Teofimo was chasing him all over the ring. Um, his intent was pure. But you know what? People aren't fighting the way you fight. That's not the way boxing's ever been. Boxing's yeah. about personalities, and your personality dictates the fight style. And and if that meets, then you have to be ready to to adapt. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you've got to be able to do more about it. You can't just say he didn't want to fight, and, and he just ran. You there's got to be so, you know. Because but you know, it's interesting. Joe Lewis didn't like that either. Movers, uh, mm -hmm. and it was less vogue in his era. Um, yeah. And when he, his initial, the first problems he really had with that style was against Bob Pester before he won a title. Um, when he fought Bob Pester and went 10 rounds, when he was knocking everybody else out. And he said it was a nightmare of an evening and just so frustrating. And in his autobiography, it's interesting because Lewis says he was fighting like Muhammad Ali, just jab, run, jab, run. What's, you know, what's the good of that? He's basically <laughs> admitting that Ali would have beat him for sure because Ali wasn't Bob Pester. You understand, of course. Yeah. You understand it better than most that he wasn't Bob Pester. And he was a whole lot more trouble than Bob Pester could ever be. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, you see that obviously you saw it with Billy Conn in the first fight and you saw it with Jose Joe Walcott in the first fight as well. Yes. Lewis definitely didn't like that kind of thing at all. Um, mm -hmm. And as you say, you let a puncher get set, then it's over. And, and when mm -hmm. someone like Wal Conn and Walcott, when they let Lewis get set, it was over for both of them too. Yes. Uh, 
See, um, Joe, yeah, I mean, you. here's the thing that's always frustrated me about those days. They used to have, like, the um, the uh, rosin in the ring. You come in, you step in the box, and it used to be, like, sandy and broken glass kind of thing or whatever. You'd come into the ring, you'd step into the ring, and you'd step into this box of, like, broken sand and glass kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, resin, resin, yeah. Resin, yes, rosin, I said, sorry. Resin. And... and but otherwise, if you didn't do that, your feet, it's very it's hard to grip the ground. So these guys were actually fighting a lot of them. Jake LaMotta, Rocky Graziano, uh, you know, Zale. Uh, um, they were fighting in the time, even Sandy Sadler, which uh, I'm sorry, um, Willie Pep, which was a whole lot more advantageous for him in a way. But punchers couldn't set their feet and grip the ground unless they were stepping into that ru- the, the resin every um, every round, which they didn't do. They just had it once. And that's why the referee, when you get knocked down or you slip, they rub the gloves off, not because it's some sort of fancy ritual. It's only because the... And the uh, thing is, it's like an antiquated ritual, isn't it? Because they don't have the resin anymore. But they, yeah, they, they, they do it as the old... We that's exactly what I'm saying. We got told yeah. that as amateurs, if you get knocked down, it was always this thing. They said, "Right, take a knee if, you, if you're able to take a knee and look at me in the corner." He would say, yeah. um, and then he'd say, "And then get up at eight. I'll, I'll tell you when to get up. Don't worry. I'll just tell you when to get up." Yeah. And then you wipe your gloves and go like this to the referee, like, "Let's go," yeah. you know, ready to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the wiping of the gloves was, was from the resin, and um, because you didn't want it to get into your other opponent's eyes, of course, that would be crazy. But they didn't have uh, soles on their shoes that gripped to the ground. So you'd see even early in Ali's fight career, but in Joe Lewis's career especially, you'll see that he slipped a lot. He couldn't grip and get the kind of power that he really uh, wanted to get with a lot of his punches. And I thought that was an interesting aside. Uh, just Dini or Dini has, has asked. He asked what you're drinking again. We get a lot. Of, we got a lot of questions about your the concoctions that you're knocking back on the show. Maybe <laughs> this is, this would be our pure orange juice this time. Okay. And he also asked what we think of Margarito's loaded gloves um, and, and, and Panama Lewis and, and his uh, you know spiked drinks in the corner is the way yeah. he phrased it. Um, yeah. Dealing with Margarito first, you know. See, here's the thing, Silk. Unless I know for sure something's happened, I'm not going to run with the narrative. So. What I know about Margarito is he was caught trying to, the trainer was caught trying to cheat and load his gloves. And um, Nazim Richardson spotted that and stopped it uh, ahead of the Shane Mosley fight, which is a great performance from Shane Mosley when he really yeah, did a job on Margarito. Mm-hmm. But people infer that his hands were loaded against Koto, and that was the difference in the first fight as opposed to the rematch revenge win. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about that. I don't know for a fact that, that, that Margarito's gloves were loaded throughout his career or against Miguel Koto the first time. And I'm not prepared to make that call. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you stand on that. Before we get to the Panama Lewis bit, yeah. Um, again, I, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same area as you. I, I don't have as much information as I would like to have before I could render a decision. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of unfair um, to Margarita's abilities. He obviously had enough ability to get out from where he was to get noticed on the world stage. I don't think that would be because he took padding out of his gloves or loaded his hand wraps or whatever it was, but um any but any, any, any trainers that do that though, I, I have absolutely they should be keyholed. Yeah, absolutely. And talking of that, that, that leads nicely into Panama Lewis uh, since since the gentleman asked. Um 
Well, Panama Lewis, it seems to be well documented, or it's, there's, there's good verbal evidence for the fact that it, he used to put crushed Ventolin, asthma, asthma tablets, salbutamol, whatever the, the, the popular um, name for the drug is, which opens up your airways and gives you a kind of burst of anaerobic mm-hmm. um, fitness, um, which we saw that in the, in the first prior Aguayo fight, right, in the yeah. 14th mm-hmm. round. And he was shouting in the, in the corner twice. He said, get me the one I mixed, the bottle of the one I mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird that you would say that, but I guess you're not thinking that way, are you? Um, you're just not thinking in the moment. And... Um, you know, and, and then Pryor did come out like a whirling dev, dervish, Tasmanian devil, and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 finished Alexis off with a devastating flurry. I personally, honestly, I think that Aguayo was getting beaten that night, and I think that Pryor was a superior man. But I know people who think no, there's a case that he was leading on points. He was leading on one card, I believe, out of three, yeah. and. Um, I think you believe it was pretty pivotal, that, that, that particular thing. I believe it was pivotal. Listen, I love Darren Pryor. I was yeah. his biggest fan. And Arguello as well, equally on both sides. Had I had, if I were the one in jurisdiction over that fight, I even, you know, even posthumously, right, right now, I would take that fight away from yeah. Aaron Pryor. I would there should be a ceremony writing this because uh, making this right, because it was just, it was so unfair. There's nothing you can have in the corner. I don't even care if it's orange juice. You know what I mean? It could, it could be, it could be anything. It could be Kool-Aid, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you have it in your corner, it's not water. And that's the only thing you're allowed to have in the corner. Everything else, Absolutely. everything else, it doesn't matter. The rules are this. So if he said, oh, I just put a little Alka-Seltzer in there because he had a sore stomach beforehand, it doesn't matter. That, that was the other ma- thing, Silk. Somebody else said it was peppermint schnapps. There was another story that it was peppermint yeah. schnapps to settle his stomach because he'd been yeah. belching. Doesn't matter. The hell? Absolutely does. It has no relevancy to the fight. I mean, well, it did in, in the wrong way. Peppermint schnapps, whatever it was, it can have. It could be seltzer water for all I care. This, it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have happened. It should be rectified. Alexis should be given that fight posthumously, or it should just be erased off the record, a technical draw or something. But obviously, it hurt Alexis' career afterwards too, because he suffered the the physical, you know. Yeah, and and he lost the rematch certainly more more conclusively. Um, I just quickly talking to people drinking uh, foreign substances. Michael Bate admits to being drunk. But said, can you please give my mate Bob a shout out? It's his birthday. So Sugar and Silk will say happy birthday to Bob, who's a friend of Michael Bates. I just want to get that one out of the way. (laughs) Michael um, Ben is great. Nice guy. um, I think Joe has also done it for us in the comments. Um, And Michael has apologized for being drunk, which, you know, and nothing to be sorry for. I did it many times myself back in the day. Um, (laughs) It's interesting. I I almost want to look look at this comment from Brian Duncan, who's talking about Greb versus Joe Lewis. But, but, but I don't really feel we're entirely finished with the um, Aguayo Pryor thing because see the way I saw it at the time was that Pryor was the better man and that was that and I and I but I've maybe it's okay to change your mind um, perhaps you're right perhaps perhaps I was a little bit uh, too, too uh, glib in reaching that conclusion. What you make it a rematch? Because the rematch is a very underrated fight, just because it wasn't quite as exciting. The rematch is an underrated fight, yes. And and Aguero had certainly less resistance in himself than he did the first fight. And and who knows? I mean that that first that that loss, the first loss to Pryor was, I mean, had to have been emotionally, physically, mentally devastating. 
It just had yeah. to be. There's just no other way. There's no other way you can, you can, you can explain that. You know what I mean? And, and uh, Alexis didn't have nearly the same type of resistance to the power and the speed and the, all the different things that Aaron Pryor was throwing. He didn't have the patience. He didn't have the resilience. And obviously it's because, okay, here we go again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and also the fact that, okay, now Aaron Pryor actually physically broke Alexis, probably mentally and physically in that fight. Right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, because he, he said to his son ahead of the rematch, Aguayo, that apparently his moustache, I guess, was part of his identity and his pride and joy and something that he associated with himself. And he said, I'll shave the moustache off if I don't beat um, Pryor this time. And then after the fight, he was dejected. And remember that Aguayo set it out. He sat on the floor and yeah. accepted a KO defeat Yeah, when he probably could have got to his feet, which is unusual yeah. with such a great fighter. Yeah, yeah. No, like but I he said, he was that. broken. His, his spirit yeah. was broke. He, he just he didn't have that fire anymore. I'm not sure how, how, how long he fought after that. Or... So, so, well, a little while. But, but so his son afterwards could see how dejected he was. And he said, and, and obviously they both had in mind the prefect promise about the moustache. And he said, you don't have to shave it off if you don't want His son said, don't worry about it, Dad. And Aguayo said, son, if I don't do what I said I do, what kind of example am I setting to you? Yeah. You know, and that's the kind yeah. of man he was, right? You know, um, Yeah, that's such beautiful character. And, and I'd always... Yeah. I'd always seen that about Alexis, and and yeah. I could always felt it about him. I mean, you see it in his personality when he fights. He's very, his personality is as clean as his punches. You know, integrity I mean? in every shot. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah he commits fight. to it. He throws it. He throws it with purpose. There's nothing. You know, mm -hmm. people but, do fight like their personalities and their wrestling stuff. They're good fighters. You yes. might someone who's no good at boxing, they probably can't reflect their personality. But no, good yeah. fighters reflect their nature and essence. Exactly. And, and just like songwriters and singers and mm -hmm. guitar players, because it's art, right? That's it's the noble art. I'm sorry, the last part. I said because it's art, right? It's the noble yeah. art. So, yeah, so it, why it, would it is. You know, but yeah. um. I'm sorry, your, your your sentences were jumping off on mine. I don't know if I was talking over or the, the sound went out, but maybe yeah, I don't know, but it might be something to do with your Wi-Fi. At least we're not getting we're not getting the clattering this week and we're not getting that funny kind of uh, beeping tone that you get when you get a text. So that's all good. Um, <laughs> somebody said to tell people to hit the like button because I tell people to subscribe to this channel. As as spurious as it seems, I think likes are important. I think it helps if you get likes. You know, when you get monetized, we are monetized, by the way. Um, I think that's all part of the process, Silk. So when people say, please like and subscribe, it feels a bit stupid asking people to like something. You know what I mean? I've never felt inclined to do that, but apparently that matters. So Justini, who's obviously a knowledgeable guy, uh, says, tell him to hit the like button. So that's what I'll say. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, he also asked Silk, did you did you train with or know Laurie Mann from Prince George? He's a best friend yeah. of Yes, yeah, oh, he did. I knew, I knew Laurie Mann. Yeah, he was a good fighter out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, he did some damage in the amateurs. He was like a junior lightweight, junior welterweight. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and he was running the boardwalk. He did really good. There were a lot of, at that time, the Pacific Northwest, the amateur, the amateurs were from the States and from Canada were incredible. They were pretty much running it globally. Like they were they were making a lot you of you always say that food. you said it was a golden era of yeah, for, for boxing in that area it really was they can just rattle off all the fighters with the exception of the heavyweights you know what i mean but anywhere yeah. from like 
anywhere from like the light, like feather bantamweight, all the way up to all the way up to I don't know, I guess junior middleweight. Yeah, middleweight. They were all Olympian, like Olympian potential guys, and um, and Canada has some great guys in Dale Walters and Laurie Mann, and um, Willie Dewitt, and and they're doing. They were doing some. We were doing some business at the time. I I was too young of an amateur at that time, so I didn't really make that damage at that time. I turned pro before that happened. It, you know what? It, it reminds me. It's a shame we didn't get Greg Hogan. He went. He went radio silence after agreeing to come on the show because <laughs> it was weird. Because when I messaged him, I hadn't seen him on Facebook for years, and he came back straight away. Said sure, and I was like, okay, this time here, we'll send you a link. He was like, sounds good. But now we've gone to ground again. But that would have been interesting because they wanted to relive the amateur fight that you two guys had. Um, did yeah. you know? Did you know Vampire Johnson? Asked Joe. Willie Vampire Johnson. I, I obviously heard of him. Yeah. Um, um, our, our man uh, Daniel Lawn took care of that issue, and I, I believe he did good. He he had a couple of wins on on NBC, I believe, if not yeah. maybe one big win. He would come to the ring in a coffin. Yes. That, and, and, I mean that is dark, isn't it? I mean that I, I think that I would think that bordered on the tasteless, but I think it's kind of cool to remember retrospectively. <laughs> you know, well, I guess it's all a part of the entertainment. I don't know who the, I don't know who they had carrying them to the to the to the ring in the coffin, but I, I do remember that. I remember they're talking about that on NBC. And um, who is this? John Mugabe who fought him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Mugabe fought him. Yeah, what a monster. <laughs> Yeah, except he probably left the ring in the coffin after that one too. That was well. Yeah, I mean, Mugabe. Um, Mugabe was a funny guy, you know, because he he didn't really. He he was. They had a lot of trouble motivating Mugabe and trying to convince yes. him to, to do yeah. what he was capable of doing because he liked he liked partying. You know, he didn't like getting up in the morning and drink. You know, and running. He yeah. did like hanging out and drinking and smoking and. Um, People would see him. I think Claude Abrams, the, the former editor of Boxing News, saw him uh, with a pint and like in a bar in Vegas and a packet of Marlboros. And he and he said, "Hey, John." And he went, "Don't tell Mickey, you know, Mickey Duff. Don't tell him, right?" And then he said they ended up getting into staying all night and getting into the the limbo dancing contest in which they came third, karaoke and, <laughs> and everything else. But that was Mugabe, you know, when it was his happiest, you know. The, yeah, yeah, I can I can see where he's coming from. I mean, listen, the. Um, a lot of trauma in his early years and a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work to get to where he was able to get to. And, you know, finally got to where he wanted. And, uh, you know, he got, again, he himself in turn was broken by Mar Marvin Hagler. And after that, he was just never the same because he just it wasn't, was he? Because yeah, passion, yeah, passion, like that first loss, that determines how great an individual is going to be and how much you really love what you do. Like Ali Frazier? Like Ali Frazier, yes. Contrasted yep. with uh, yes. Mugabe versus uh, Hagler or Curry versus Hunnigan and, and yes. so on. Yeah. That, that's a very pivotal fact. Or Nassim Hamid versus uh, Marco Antonio Barrera. Yes. You know? Yes. That really def – that, that def what you do after your loss defines you as great as far as I'm concerned. That's why when, when people come along and they say, well, you know, well, Mayweather, for instance, Mayweather never lost. And he's like, well, I'm the only one that's perfect. Well – you're the only one that's ever been that's never been tested to that level, and meaning maybe it's about the maybe it's about the talent that you faced. Not that's not your fault. I absolutely understand that. You can only fight who's there to fight, 
but, but you say that, but see, that's but when, but, but when, but when you st you when you're choosing your opponent, when to fight the yeah, opponent, when exactly. you're in control, when you're in control, when the dashboard is yours, right? And you have control. I'll fight him when I need to fight him, when I want to fight him, at this temperature, and you know Thank what I mean. You. At this time so, you just said it. It, it. It's a nonsense when people in this day and age, people say, "Well, you can only fight who's around at the time." That makes yeah. that you've got no jurisdiction over it. If you're micromanaging your career and calling all the shots because you are the A triple plus side, not just yeah. the A side, then yeah. come on, man. It's not the same as someone like Harry Greb who had yeah. this crazy resume yeah. that, that you just wouldn't do today because it would be yeah. utter madness. Yeah. But he, he, he literally meant any time, any place, anywhere because yeah. he believed himself that much. And I, I don't know what exactly. it was that made him tick and I don't know how exactly. he fought because we exactly. can't see him. But, yeah. but do you know what I mean? It's, you can't say that. And this, when I said to Roy Jones, uh, but before the second Madonna fight, I was in Vegas and I was talking to Roy Jones in a car park, like you do, um, at the opening of the rival boxing store. And I said, you know, when, how would you compare uh, Mayweather to, to talking to uh, in comparison to guys like Sugar Ray Robinson and Leonard, etc.? And he says, you can't really compare him to those guys because. And I think maybe I interrupted and said, but because he didn't face, he didn't have that kind of level of competition. And Roy mm -hmm. said, no, 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 he had it. He didn't fight it. And, and yeah. you've got to bear in mind this was before the Pacquiao fight, which mm -hmm. was kind of overdue at the yeah. time. He said he had it, but mm -hmm. he didn't fight it. And he said, yeah. and you can't say if he's get, like those guys. He said, you, because you don't know how he'll do against someone who's almost yeah. as good as him or just as good yeah. as him yeah. and someone who knocks him down and he's got to get up. He yeah. says, you don't know. You, we haven't seen that. He said, that's yeah. why. He said, I can't. He said, he's very smart. he got wonderful skills. But I can't talk about him in the same breath as those guys. That was no. that was Roy. Yeah, I, I like I like your um your Roy Jones interpretation, the the accent. Yeah, I, I was only half going for it. How long have you been working on that? <laughs> no, I just what it is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, but I, um, yeah, um, that's that's again. I guess that takes us back to our, you know, the the original point of um, what were we talking about? We're discussing the kid fighting um the kid okay. fighting in reverse right um and um yeah i don't i don't my my brain goes two ways on it obviously or multiple different ways um th this kid when he uh, lopez wants to be that dominant figure that guy who you know is considered the bad boy of the division yeah he's uh you know, bordering on great if he beats people and runs up up to welterweight. And he does, he says Crawford doesn't want to fight him. He goes down. He says Davis doesn't want to fight him. And he's seen all these guys don't want to fight him. But I, I don't know. I don't understand why this fight cannot happen. Do you? Uh, you mean Crawford and Lopez or, or Davis? Yes, and Lopez? Crawford and Lopez and and Davis and Lopez. Well, I don't except for the fact. That there seems to be a, a tumult of reasons why lots of fights can't happen. But without wishing to distract you too much, did you know that Davis, the talk at the minute is of Javonta Davis versus Connor Ben? Have you been picking up on those whispers or, or the rumblings? Yeah, I heard I heard a little bit about that. Very Eddie Hearn has made him an offer, supposedly. And according to Connor Ben, it's in the region of 10 to $15 million to come. I mean, you think it'd have to be over here in London. And the trouble is, Silk, Ben is not allowed to fight here just yet. That yeah. may change in two weeks or yeah. three weeks yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I believe the appeal date is coming up. But he right now, he's not allowed to fight in the UK. You can't mm. be making Javonta Davis a multi... 
you know, tens of million dollar offer to fight Conor Ben in the States. That don't, or, yeah. or can you? Maybe it does work. I don't know. Maybe the zone or I don't know. I don't know if it works only because his he's not really recognized here in the states. I don't think he's, That's what I'm saying, so. yeah, his name is not in the states what it is in England. And um, even though he's, I mean, you've got you know, Tank's name, but but does that does that carry the show on that side of the pond? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess when you think about it, because he fought Pitbull, and Pitbull wasn't a name, and the place is packed, and they, you know, uh -huh. the, the, but the, is it a ten to fifteen million dollar payday? That's the thing. You, you think Herm was thinking of it over here, and and obviously contingent on that, you would think that they believe they're going to win this appeal, and the mm -hmm. border control will have to swing along with them. Mm -hmm. After that appeal is won, I heard well, first it. First of all, up. first of all, though, Ben. First of all, I think the ten to fifteen million dollars is probably kind of light for what, for what he gets, for what, what Davis gets. Yeah, for what Tank gets. Right, but I, I'm not sure. It's you know, I'm not, I'm not honestly not sure. Um, yeah, I know, well, I know for I know for um, fighting the other kid, his Garcia. last one. Yeah, Garcia, that he earned over, what was it, over twenty five, something like that, over twenty five mil. It was a big, big. It was a big, big payday for a non-title fight, but it wasn't it. It would, when you think of the actual real value of the fight, or what you might regard as the real mm -hmm. value of the fight, it was, yeah. it was very high paying, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, they love seeing Davis fight because he's about his business. You know what I mean? He's not going to do that. You know what we just saw uh, Lopez do. He's not about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he, he he was too smart for that. I mean, he's a better fighter than. You know, when people ask me my favorite fighter today, I'm not I'm not passionate about fighters today. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I think Tank probably is my favorite fighter. Yeah, yeah. For for an entertaining fight, him and Crawford do it for me. Yeah. Um, exactly you know, it's that. interesting because we talk about like styles and attributes and stuff like that, and you look at some fighters and fighters are um, the fighters that tend to throw. Like Davis is not a jab first fighter. That's why he is so much more than what the common fighter is the the blueprint for fighters has always been because the trainers just recycle the same bs every single time establish the jab establish the jab after you've thrown a jab then you throw the right everything comes off the jab and that's absolutely wrong uh, you know it's being able to throw whatever punch you need to throw is the punch that's the right punch i still so think Davis, the jab is super important though so that, no no I no, totally no. It, it's, it's as important as any other punch absolutely i can't it, go with that so because listen listen right if i'm if i've got to fight right yeah, i've got to fight anybody whether it's you or anybody else or um and they say you're only allowed one punch man you're only allowed one of the six basic punches that boxing is yeah. has Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get. It's got to be my jab. It has to be my. Left of course, jab. you know it's gonna be a jab. You know, and I, you want me to tell you why it's gonna be a jab? Why? <laughs> because it's non-committal, and it's a safety punch first. It's how a, the hell am I gonna get along boxing for any amount of rounds with just a right, straight right, or a, or a lead hook? A lead hook or an uppercut or an overhand right. There, there are many things you can do. There what all night? All night using I'm the not, same shot? I'm not saying. Don't use, I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't use the jab. No, mm -hmm. I, no, we were saying if you only have one punch, it's an unrealistic scenario, I know, but we're saying if you only have one punch for the whole fight and that's all you're allowed to use. You'd want to use the jab because, it, one, you don't... You, listen, you don't commit the same, so you're not going to get countered the same, right? Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, in, you're in a position... You're in a position... Well, where, that's why when it's you throw, When you throw a jab, it's an uncommittal punch. It's generally not a knockout punch, like... 
it's absolutely like yeah. not even in the realm of possibility. If I can teach somebody, even even adults who come to you and they've never boxed before, that's the white collar scene, which I do do a lot of work with those kind of people. Yes. If I can teach them balance and a bit of movement and defense and a jab, a strong, a decent jab in front of them, they'll be okay. There's no point me focusing on giving them a devastating right hand or, or left hook to the body. I'm not saying to give them a devastating right hand, but let me give you a couple of examples. Look at uh, Roy Jones and even Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. Roberto Duran. Duran had no jab. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. He had no uh, jab. Mike Tyson had a jab, but he didn't necessarily lead with it. No, no, true. But Mike Tyson was one of those guys you say, he hit, he's actually got quite a decent jab, you know, but it was an afterthought. Exactly, exactly. But, but I'd still, it'd be interesting. I, I would like to, um, I've said it before, but I would like to have come to you as a trainer from the start. When I say the start, let's say from 18 years old or something, mm -hmm. just to see how that played out and to mm -hmm. see, you know, mm -hmm. to, to see how that philosophy and that methodology played out because, yes. because that would yeah. be the proof, wouldn't it? it? It's really all about doing what's, boxing is about doing what's necessary in the moment. You have to be able to react in the moment, real time. That's all there is to it. Uh, everything else is, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a great plan. It's a great game plan. But to affect that, uh, the jab is the most used punch. So with any intelligent trainer, if I'm going into a fight with a guy who has, who has his guy's got a great jab, I'm like, yo, we're going to eat him up because this is exactly what you're going to do. Every time a fighter's fist leaves his body, he's open to be hit. That's all yes. there is to it. You know, your that man's that man's jab, which is I guess his defensive punch or he's scoring without committing. Every time he throws that left hand out here, this is all open. He can't throw the right hand at the same time. So, yeah. so there's there's a there's a beat. Every time he's throwing that punch, it, you can come over, you can come under, you can get to the side. There's so many things you can do off it, and that's how boxing gets better, and that's how boxing gets more advanced. When people start thinking like that. It's um, yeah. You use a man's use a man's offense against him. His offense yeah. is your offense. Yeah, and, and and you did make the point that there are more ways to counter the jab than any other shot. So if it's the most important punch and it's the most crucial punch, it's also the most vulnerable move exactly. you can make in theory. Yeah. I, I want to answer this, although I don't know how much you can answer it because I don't know how familiar you are with this guy, but it's been causing a lot of noise uh, on this side of the pond. David Corbett says, what are your thoughts on the dancing showboat of Ben Whitaker? Have you seen that light heavyweight kid, flashy, uh, from England? Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw highlights of him. Um, um, he's doing kind of like a... He's um, taking it to a new level, that leeriness of showboating and cockiness and swagger. He's taking it, he's built on whatever Leonard, no mess, you know, and, and that Prince Nassim Hamid and, and other guys like Roy Jones or anybody else who ever showboated. Um, yeah, he kind of like, he kind of he kind of weaves it he kind of weaves it into his offense, like it's a yeah. real like like the, who's the kid the drunken master, uh, Emmanuel Augustus. Yeah, Emmanuel Augustus. Like that, yeah, yeah kind of, yeah, yes. Yeah. So that's a good comparison. So some people, uh, some people hate him. You know, hard and good boxing fans and observers and insiders say, I can't fucking stand this kid. I can't yeah. wait for him to get knocked out. Yeah, it's yeah. too much. It's disrespectful. You shouldn't yeah. be doing that to journeymen and you know, and also Rams who are like over forty, which I believe his last opponent was. But but you know what? He's just trying to build a brand, Silk, and he's trying to take it to a new level. Well, We've is already he, seen is he trying to build a brand, though, or is that his real thing? Like, does he has he always fought like that? 
I think he's probably always had shades of that, yeah. but I think he's doing it deliberately right now. And, and he'll implement it more when he feels probably more confident or, or yeah. you know what I mean? So we really don't know what his basic fight style is. But here's, here's the thing, like, Roy Jones, for instance, when he sh- when he showboated, when he fought, not only is that, I mean, that's, that's a weapon to him, yeah. right? So it's not about making that man look stupid or funny or anything like that, unless somebody got on his wrong side and he comes around and hits him and then runs around before you hit him again before he hits the ground. You know what I mean? It's 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 um it's the it's really his fight style. It's the way in which he fights is the only way he gets that exuberance, that energy. It's really- I, I think he is also trying to be the guy that some of them love to hate. I think that's part. They made a point that he got a hundred thousand followers in twenty four hours after his last fight on. I guess, I guess yeah. X Twitter, right? Yeah. Well, he's different, um, so he's going to be seen. Yeah, and um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it would be. Um, gen- I think it'd be disingenuous of me to criticize him too much for that, whether he's my cup of tea or not. Because when you get older, I think you you probably. It, I'm sure when I was younger, I would have loved him. I'd have been like, I need to do that. You know, I yeah. want to try and do that yeah. because. That's I mean, what I, I look. I look at that style, and I kind of smile, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And there are people that'll punch through it, like. You know, I mean, imagine him trying to do that with Baterbiev. That's, you know, exactly it's not really a healthy style to go in there with. You know what I mean? Um, no, exactly. And yeah. if you can do it to Baterbiev, like Leonard did it to Duran, and that's a new, that's a different level of respect and adulation. Yeah, but, but Leonard did it to Duran in a different way. He was very, one, he was at a very safe distance when he did it, and he did it for a very short capacity. It wasn't like he was standing right in front of him and doing all this turning and pivoting and all that madness. You know what I mean? He was yeah, like, Duran was Duran. They were disengaged. They were at a distance and then he did what he had to do. Listen, it's easy to shut that style down. All you do is you put a right hand on his chest hard yeah. and then yeah. all of that's going to go out the window. All of that's yeah. going to go out the window. Uh, trust me on that. And that's why I say, you know, fighting someone like Baterbiev who's going to just – He'll be right here. He'll be focused on this right here, from here until your navel. And he'll hit you there, and he'll stop all that movement. And then we're going to see how you really fight. I, I like the fact that they have fighters that come out different and do it different. And it's it's interesting. It's intriguing. It's challenging. It's enlightening. You know what I mean? But guys who use feints and their distractions – and if, if you're the type of fighter, if you don't have the ammo to handle it, then, yeah, you're going to get caught because – you know what I mean? You you you're uh, what is that? What do they call you? You're sort of like caught. You're hypnotized by the movement, and and you're hesitant yeah. because you're thinking about That's oh my cool. god, when is he going to hit me? Oh my god, when is he going to hit me? And you're just thinking about that instead of now's my turn to hit him. Winning fighters say when he's doing that, I'm going to punch a hole through him. That's all there is to it, and that's how that's how that that's how you handle that issue. That issue. I don't want to alarm anybody, but Michael Bates says he's going to have to put us on the tablet because he's now watching Love Island on the TV. What he's saying, Silk, is we we come second as a priority to Love Island. I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with that particular show, but you know, I don't know that show. It sounds like is it a reality show where they have people yeah, like fall in love? A with bunch of you know, a bunch of inanely good-looking people of both genders oh, on yeah. an island, and yeah. we see what happens with the, with the cretins as they relate to each other and whether they copulate or not. You should it's probably probably right up your street, I imagine. 
<laughs> well, you know, Gary, I, Gary, Gary would have been on it if, if, if it had been a different era and he was younger again today. I think Gary would prefer to go on it right now. Never mind. Yeah, mate, they should. I think they, they they should put Gary on a reality show. Maybe um, that would be good. Now he's getting his profile up just because he's hanging out with us. Now you know we should maybe mm -hmm. his agent needs to put a word in for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. You either like him or hate him, says David. Hamid was the same, and Nassim Hamid was the same. He says talking about Ben Whitaker, that is, you know. But um, yeah. yeah, it's fine. See, that's the thing. So I don't want to become anti Ben Whitaker because it. That's my tradition, you know. I, I always like fighters who did it differently and had that kind of swagger. Yeah. So it would only be confirmation that I'd become a, a bit old and bitter. You know what I mean? Well, what, I'm, gonna, what I'm saying is, as you him. said, as you said, um, that he's got, you know. Swag. Maybe he doesn't see the swag. I'm saying maybe he really just that's his fight style. I, I haven't seen other than the highlights that I've seen. Has he done that with everyone he fought? Yeah, that, honestly, this is his big, big thing, Silk. He's fucking yeah. Larry as hell. And, and people are going, can't stand him. What a disrespectful prick. This is something yeah. he is doing very yeah. deliberately. And, yeah. and he's really laying yeah. it on thick. Super and, and they think and they think he's disrespecting his opponents and making fools of them and this Loads of my friends. Instead, instead of it being a real fight style, like this is the his fight style. It's so different from anyone else's. It's kind of like I know. I know. Well, listen, he didn't box like that in the Olympics because he was worried about not getting a medal. You know, he wouldn't box like that in the Olympics, would you? He, he's just no, no, he wouldn't box like that in the Olympics because they'd fire him, right? Like, exactly. Like, well, they fire him. Yeah, they disqualify him. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's done it since he turned pro. You know, but um, yeah, he's turned pro because there's a lot more, um, right? It's there's a lot more levity. There's a lot more ease and and uh, it's like you can really. The amateurs have a, a way in which they like you to fight, period. That's it. Yeah, they yeah. want to see you fight a certain way. You can't let your head go down below the guy's belly button. Like, if you're slipping a punch, they yeah, like exactly. I, I used to get pulled for that as a kid. They said I was I was, I was, was ducking too low, they said sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, how am I supposed to get out of the way of his punches if I can't duck? That's crazy. But they want you up here, and, and they want you fighting like fencing. Stand up, yeah, they, they want to stand up Olympic type style. Yes, but. yes, exactly. In the amateurs. Now, when you get to the pros, that's when you're starting to see, you know, you're starting to see personalities at that point. It's a different thing. So I don't know if that was something he wanted to do as an amateur, but couldn't do it because obviously he would wouldn't be successful. So he had to uh, you know, cultivate this style. And now that he's back as a pro and he has the freedom to do what he wants, that's the way he's gonna do it. Yeah. But um, what's this? I'm just looking at this comment. It says, yes. "I've been called ugly in the past. What is the best thing to do for the, for the?" He doesn't say. It's very enigmatic. He says, "I've been called ugly in the past. What is the best thing to do for the?" And then, or maybe we're supposed to fill in the blank. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that's maybe, to, maybe it's a uh, what do they call that show with the wheel of fortune? Wheel of fortune. Go ahead. Yeah, we've got to think of the the the, the answer. I'll take an A for yeah two hundred. Yeah, exactly well, you that. Did, um, you took it. You took it down. What's up? Um. So, so well, yeah. Like I say, it ends enigmatically. It says, "I've been called ugly in the past. What is the best thing to do for the?" And then he doesn't uh, say for the for, for the visage. I think. I'd probably probably. I mean, you know, um, just the best thing to do for. Well, go ahead, Ben. What would you say is the best thing you can do for his visage? 
I know, get an eye patch and a bandana. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The eye patch works right away. I mean, no, no one could say you, no one could ever accuse you of being you know, uh, unattractive. Obviously, you had that going on. You still got going on today. But uh, I don't know, really. I, I guess you've got to. What is the best thing to do when you've been bullied? Well, certainly in that instance. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You have to confront it, right? You have to stand up yeah. for yourself and you have to confront it. Yeah. Knowing that the reality, whatever the confrontation is, the reality of it is less is usually less um, less. Le- it's usually easier than the actual anticipation and the trepidation of the confrontation. Once mm-hmm. you get stuck in what into whatever it is the confrontation, then it's not, it's usually a, there's a relief. I'd have thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I've always thought that uh, you know, conflict happens when you stay in one place. So the most important thing to for you know, in anticipation of you know there's going to be conflict, don't stay in one place. Always keep it moving. If you're always moving, <laughs> nothing can stick to you. In closing, I, I think this is this as we wind down. Uh, Just Dini says, "Do you guys think Tyson Fury's Tyson Fury's cut is legit? So many in the know think it's bogus. A close-up of the cut looks too clean, like a razor blade did it, as opposed to." to other cuts which tend to be more jagged um, yeah. I mean I, I think it's legit you know what it is Silk some people are questioning it's legit but but it didn't happen in the video they, they showed um, and I know you said it looks like a punch but in, in the video that they would they were presented as, as where the elbow allegedly hit him and caused the cut but that's yeah. what people are saying uh, I think it's legit but I think the issue is what what's uh, Julian McGowan says Fury's cut is legit I think but the issue is Fury, the Furies are too hard to believe on so many levels. I think that's one of the problems, you know, that Fury has that reputation as being the kind of guy who tells you it's raining and you look outside. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's his... Um, Tyson's reality is, is different from everyone else's. And so it's the, it's the boy who cried wolf. You know, after a while, it's, you know... Yeah. He, he said it was one thing and you didn't believe him, didn't believe him now... The truth really is there. The wolf is at the door. The cut really happened, but no one believes it because you're just, you know, you BS us all the time. And so do you know what? If if they don't fight on May the 18th, I think it's a legacy killer for Fury. If they don't fight May the 18th this time. Yeah, well, you know how I feel about the whole Fury thing. You're, so. you're like, what legacy? That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. But, but, but I do believe that this cut is legit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've yeah. seen... I've seen cuts before, and that is, you know what I mean? That's a real cut. Whether it was caused by a razor or not, I yeah. highly doubt that. You can never put anything by anybody, especially when you're dealing with the kinds of money they're dealing with, but he'd get more for fighting them than sitting on the sidelines cutting his eye with a razor. I, I exactly. That, that's that's pretty out there, isn't it? Um, the, the the theory that he that it, that something bogus attached to it is that based on the idea that he wasn't ready for this February 17th date. Yeah, I don't think he was either. I I honestly couldn't see him getting himself in shape after the Nganu fiasco. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then turn around, went back into training camp, and this happened. I absolutely, I understand where people are coming from. It doesn't make sense because, but when does Tyson Fury ever look in shape? I've never seen a picture of him. No, like, he's never. Do you know what though? Have you seen those pictures knocking about where he looked really lean and hard, and people no. were saying he was in the shape of his life? You got to be mental to say he did this to buy himself time, and and you you, you you're crazy if you think he cut himself or faked the injury. There was pictures of him looking very ch as chiseled as Tyson Fury has ever looked, okay? As chiseled as Fury has ever looked. What, chiseled, then, with a, chiseled, again, chiseled, chiseled with a rolling pin? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then, and then again, you get people saying, yeah, those photos, are they were from fucking 1962, though, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm tired of all this stuff, you know, where you can't believe a word somebody says or any case that might be presented. Um What's David Corbett say? The bridge of the eye is solid bone on your skin can split clean with a hard enough punch. But I think Fury wants... I don't think Fury... I think Fury doesn't want this fight in his heart of hearts. Yeah. His heart and head's not in it, sorry. Still well, don't think it will happen. It could be the perfect storm. I mean, it could be... I mean, the two just like... It, it happened... Like it, it could be a it could be a blessing in disguise, I guess is what I want to say. Do I mean, are you, are you confident or, or uh, that it will happen on May the 18th now? Or are you just... I'm indifferent. Whether it happens or not, it has it has no bearing on my happiness life. Uh, or on my uh, on how I see boxing. But would I like it to happen? Sure. Uh, you know, I'd like to see. It. Uh, you know, even more for um, for Usyk than anything. I, I'd like to see. You know, I, I mean, I like the kid. I think he's got a lot of great ability, and and he's got a he's got a chance to do something really interesting in boxing. And and you know, and and the light shining on boxing is always a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? If there is a silver lining attached to it on a more personal level, we've been thinking about the trip to Saudi Arabia for Sugar, Silk and Stretch when the time is right. I did apply for accreditation this time, but we'll probably be in a better position, the three of us, to attend in May, May the 18th than we would have been this coming Saturday. You know what I mean? So mm. perhaps, perhaps we can put it together in time for that particular... Um, so that fight would have been originally would have been this Saturday coming up. That's right. Oh my God! Could you imagine? Yeah. So I mean, it was kind of like late in the, in the game, but you fifteen as, days I, before, as a competitive fighter, you spar all the way up to the fight anyway. It, it it, fifteen days before, and we had that. You know, you had all the armchair coaches saying, "What was he doing sparring two weeks out?" And and, and obviously, <laughs> people have actually been around and done it, like you. So are you crazy? We always did that, you know. Yeah, I mean, this you have to. I mean, it's it's necessary not only for the ritual of it, but like the mindset and the hardening of the body. The body two weeks out before a fight, no. In fact, the last two weeks before the fight is when you hit your fit. Not only physical, like you're maybe a month out, three weeks out, you're maintaining the physical, but the mental peak is definitely within the last two weeks approaching the fight. You can't be mentally, like, that's one of those things when we talk about when fighters peak at the right time and, and it's so important for the trainer to understand his fighter and his fighter's mentality, not just his physicality. So he's going to bring him up to the gate, right? He's going to bring him up to the gate physically. Now that mental has to match as well. It can't be, it can't be like this, the physical is back here and, and the mental is up here. They both have to cross the finish line at the same time in order for the fighter to put in his best performance. And that, um, and, and I guess, you know, 
that wasn't happening. And maybe that's why it was fortunate or fortuitous that he got cut because he couldn't pull out without he there's no way he could pull out without that cut. Absolutely. No, you need, you needed a big reason. And supposedly um you that there's gonna be a ten million dollar penalty if they if either one of them pulls out a game from the May the eighteenth date. So, oh, that's the penalty, huh? The getting paid. According yeah. to that Turkey Al Al that they did a Zoom. It was Turkey and Tyson, and Igis Kilmas and and Usyk Kilmas being his manager. They had a Zoom call, you know, to try and clear the air. And he said there will be a ten. He said, "Don't worry, it is what it is." Maybe eighteenth is a new date, and there'll be a forfeit of ten million dollars of their own money if they, you know, if they if they can't fight. And how much are they getting paid? Oh, it's something like, I mean, God, I, I don't know the precise figures, but maybe 50 million kind of Wow. Stuff. Maybe more, maybe more. That could is, even be 80. That's insane. It, it will be the richest payday in boxing history for, for both of <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. That re I mean, that really is mind-blowing. I mean, I, and I'm, it absolutely makes sense. I just hope fighters don't realize just because you're getting paid a certain amount of money, that means you're great. Yeah. That's not how it is. It's the fact that many people just have their eyes on you. You know what I mean? It's like they, they're, they're one, the population on the planet Earth is bigger these days than it was back in the day. Um, you can't tell me that if you had Usyk versus Fury today and then you had Muhammad Ali versus Joe Fraser today and they were both side by side, right? Yeah. If they were both side by side, they're both going to happen on May 30th. One's going to be on HBO. The other one's going to be on Showtime. And given their histories, you're going to tell me that the Fury fight's going to outdraw the Ali Fraser fight. No, I, I don't think it would, even though you look at the inflation and the supposed value of the Ali Fraser fight today, and Ali Fraser still kind of pales in comparison. But you can't, you know what? You can't trust those figures. When people say, when people say that money is worth this today, when you, if you trust Google to tell you, right? Mm -hmm. Russell Peltz made a good point when he said that Benny Briscoe's purse when he fought Marvin Hagler was supposedly what I forgot what it what the purse was and I forgot what it would be worth today, but it, it was what it was at the time and then it had a certain value today. And he terrible. says, but he says, but the thing is, that's what Google tells you. He says, but we all know the fifteen dollar ticket will cost about three hundred dollars today. He said, so that is what you need to look at when you think of the value of the purses and how you invite them which would actually make them a good deal more than Google estimated. Actually. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I don't think either Hagler or Benny Briscoe were going to, you know, were happy with their purse. Let's just put it that way. You know what I mean? No, no. Because you know what else Russell said? He said back then when TV, he said, we sold tickets. He said, because that was the only way we made money on a show by selling yes. tickets. He said, and when TV came along, he said, they paid what a fight was worth, not overpaying like today to try and control the market. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's it's a whole different beast. Yeah, and paying what it's worth, like, um, <clears throat> and no one's to say what it's what it's worth. I don't know. Fighters are always getting the short end of the stick, and so I think that's why when we see a lot of fighters that that go hard when it comes to negotiating, um, they do because they just there's just a long line of it, long line of of. Uh, it being disproportionate in, in terms of the yeah. money and how they distribute it. Fighters should always be getting number one, but it's just not going to happen. 
Supposedly, yeah. Julian reckons 50 million each plus the usual trimmings or, or bonuses. Um, but he says Floyd Mayweather earned a lot more in his last few fights. Um, yeah. Golden Era Boxing says that this is somewhat uh, crazy for an average overrated heavyweight in a cruiser. This fight will not make a profit. The shake has been shook down. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think they're new to boxing and they have the money to throw at it. And, and you know, the whole people are excited about it in some way for some reason. I'm not quite sure what it is that makes the fight well, so it's, well, it's the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, assuming they get in the ring. But, um, that, but okay, Ben, but does that really interest you? Well, you know, I've, you know, I'm a little cynical by by this point, you know, in terms of any of that stuff. Yeah, but, I'm, but, I'm, I forget about whether the fight will happen or not. But does this but fight I'm saying, interest I'm you? Like, it's, not, it's, it's not about me. If things were like me, you'd never have heard of Jake Paul ever, and there'd be nobody talking about John Fury and Joe Egan. It literally would not exist. The, the world would be some very tasteless, tasteful, sorry, but very different place if it was all about what I thought of it. What I'm saying is it's the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world and that has an automatic commercial value and there's an obsession with it and a fixation with it. And also Fury is box office for whatever reason. And Usyk is seen as, there's an intrigue based on the fact that Usyk is seen as everything that Fury isn't. And he gets the vote of the people who are not into Fury's histrionics and trash talk and clickbait. He gets the dignity kind of vote. And people think, enough people, including you, think Usyk can beat him. So there, there's a lot of eyes on the, the, on the fight for sure. Yeah, I know it just doesn't to me, it doesn't have the same high seas drama. Maybe it's because I really think Usyk will beat them, will beat them. So I don't see it as, as a dramatic as it could be or should be uh, looked at. Um, the, yeah, yeah, uh, I guess we're Let's gonna see. see. It, it, just he says the Saudis were unable fights to get made. Um, that should get made, take some politics and greed out by flooding the zone with cash. The problem is when they, when they, if they pull out or they lose interest, uh, Michael, or they change their uh, kind of strategy, it's interesting what kind of expectations they're going to they're going to create, which cannot be fulfilled after a certain point. That will be interesting, you know. And who is that? You mean you mean the Saudis one? Yeah, I, I'm saying that if if they establish this, but to the point where these guys are getting all this crazy money. So they, they're happy to make the fights that previously they held out on. It may create unrealistic expectations sustainably for fighters. You know what I mean? Maybe they, at some point, maybe they'll lose interest in this. You know, this flotation, it might be. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I what do they leave absolutely. behind? Yeah, I, I think what they're doing, um, the Saudis, and I could be wrong, is they're looking to make their country the, the place... Uh, Entertainment capital of the world. And, they are, and, it's, and the strategy is not just in boxing. It's also got reverberations in other sports. Yeah. Like where they're getting involved in, and I believe they've done other things too. Yeah. Um, they've got the money to do it, and they're like, well, what else are we going to do with it? Like, what else can we, what else do we have, right? So, yeah. you know, to be the entertainment capital of the world, like no one else really has that. It used yeah. It kind of was Vegas at one point, but I, I, I mean, I just don't know if they have – they're probably not going to have gambling over there. That's for sure, right? Well, people have said well, they need to relax certain laws and, and, and culture over there to really make this happen uh, on the on the scale they wish to make yeah. it happen. But yeah. we've got to get out of here uh, too because one is you wanted to do the show, show an hour early 
so you could get and watch the Super Bowl. So we don't want to go into the next hour too much. But also, I'm only down to 10% and I can't charge this thing while we're actually doing the oh, show. Oh, that battery causes us more agita than I don't even know what. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so with your blessing, I'm going to close this one now. But um, see, that was a cool show. It's always a sedate kind of laid back show when it's just you and me. But hopefully, Gary will be back for more madness and constant interrupting and people that everybody vying for no, this. But Gary, Gary is a very sedate, laid back approach. I don't understand why it's more, we have more histrionics when he's there. It's not like he. But it's true though, isn't it? Mm, uh, yeah. And I guess there's more, there's more reasons for us to go at each other. I think. I think there is, but you know, uh, what can we, who, let's not try and analyze it. You can't analyze genius. Let's just run with it. Right. This is bigger than, <laughs> this is bigger than all of us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. And please press the like and subscribe button if you haven't pressed it already. We're going to be back next week with all the latest in boxing. It won't be Fury Usyk, but there's bound to be something. In the meantime, stay tuned. And I'm still number one on the... Let's remember that. He feels good. He knew that he would. That's it. He feels (laughs) nice. Sugar and spice. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.